Welcome to episode nine of the Benzo Rehab Dungeon. I am the host, Michael Deebs. Joining me today, as always, is uh, Dorian Bell, the co-host. And uh, I'm still here. Super fun friend. Um, (laughs) The day that we're recording this is August 2nd, 2020. Um, This will be released probably on August 3rd, 2020. Damn. Efficient. (laughs) Yep. We, uh, We really just crank these things out um no no time no time is wasted in post-production no time is also wasted in pre-production so (laughs) that's very true (laughs) i mean usually we have a turnaround of like a like an hour even we usually do these on monday and then just uh you know it just appears on the internet that that is true yeah i'm I'm trying to do it in more (laughs) of a uh, structured way so that uh we we both get a, a better feel for uh, the analytics involved in this and um Ooh, yeah An- the analytics. analytics the analytics yes the uh yeah. the numbers if you will talk to me talk talk to me about <laughs> about what what we might learn uh well through through the analytics i've learned that we are we are not that popular um hell yeah <laughs> we've we've had a, had a steady uptick though which is which is good well, yeah we just know we haven't sold out, you know. Yeah, we're you know we're saying? super indie right now. Um, hey, uh, yo, keep talking because I I just realized I can't find my shot glass. So. Oh, well, that's important um, <laughs> for, for the discussion that we're about to have. I'm sure it um, certainly is. Are, are you are you going to be able to hear me while you look for the shot glass? Uh, yeah, I'm actually I'm going to walk into the other yeah, room. You can just like you, fill you up your talking. mouth. Um, <laughs> And it's basically yeah, the same thing. Drink like a man. Yeah, hold on. Okay. Well, um, I'll just go into the the subject of today. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, liberalism, neoliberalism, and uh, maybe eventually fascism, depending on how the conversation goes. Um, we will be initially kind of defining liberalism, uh, and then we'll go into you know a definition of neoliberalism. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I'll I'll let you go ahead and and lead the conversation on on maybe defining liberalism. Um, this is not necessarily in your your area of study, but it's uh, close enough that uh, I feel like I can just give you the the football here. It overlaps a lot for sure. You right. know, it's uh, I mean, the nice thing about my study thus far is that it's all been uh, extremely and maybe upsettingly interdisciplinary. Right. So I don't have a home, but no one can kick me out without hey. justification. So, uh, um, are there like metaphorical uh, like spikes that we can place on the the sidewalk that you're residing in, or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sidewalk sounds good. Um, but um, God, okay. 
Where do we even start? Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if you could still hear me while, while I was talking. Good. Okay, I so, heard it all. I heard every dirty thing you said. All the dirty things I was saying about liberalism. Okay. Um, but um, you, would you maybe like to go into a, a definition of what liberalism is? Um, well, I'd like to ask you a question as okay. an experiment, I guess. Sure. Um, I like experiments. And feel free to to answer this question in character to some, to some degree. Which, uh, which character? I, <laughs> I think you, you might know which character once I ask you, oh, okay. um, but it's, it's not one that's uh, totally far off or, or parodic or anything like that. But uh, um, I was wondering if you as uh, an intelligent, but, you know, kind of average American <laughs> could, could tell me what liberalism is in your mind. <laughs> I would, I would define liberalism as uh, um more more of a economic term than necessarily a political one although there is a fair amount of politics involved in that um liberalism highly values uh individuality um uh, a free market and uh the engagement of the individual in the free market as a means of expressing their freedom yeah no i actually that's that's uh, that's better than than what I would have expected from the character you're going to play. Um, but I, <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, so so well, liberalism um, you see is a uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so liberalism the one of the issues with having discussions about liberalism and neoliberalism uh, is evident in kind of the way that you ended up defining it there, which which in a weird way it's wrong by being too good of an answer. Oh, well, um, shit, my bad. <laughs> we can uh, we can fix that in post. I'm not going to fix that in post. Right. But no, okay. So so the the thing is that you describe in a lot of ways neoliberalism while still holding on to a lot of the good uh, in liberalism, right? Right. Um and and I'll describe what those things mean in a moment. But uh, liberalism at bottom is extremely ideological kind of thinking that can apply both to, I don't think it can apply to anything now, though we use the term constantly and obsessively. Liberals uh, are trying to get all the uh, the men in dresses so that they can use the women's restroom. Right. And then also tankies complaining about them and everyone complains about <laughs> imaginary liberals, even Nobody though you know, they're, they're all complaining liberals. about different things. Yeah, right. Uh, and there, there are neoliberals to complain about for sure. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird, uh, uh, amalgamation of ideas, but so liberalism is, is it can explain both, uh, you know, the, the revolutionaries in France, uh, it can explain a lot of the people during the British civil war. It, it can apply to our founding fathers. Uh, it can apply to, you know, Jesus in, in immense amount of, of different movements. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the fact that liberalism, the only real thing that defines that is a focus on the individual uh, a focus on their own uh, liberty, uh, which you know, th these are all these are all terms that uh, are essentially meaningless, right? Mm -hmm. So, liberty, consent of the governed, and equity or equality, not not equity per se. Um, and with these things come a lot of other things that are implied. Uh, we're talking about uh, secularism is implied, uh, freedom of religious belief, uh, things like that. Even though you could still probably have some kind of a thing that calls itself liberal while still being a theocracy, uh, 
as long as everyone uh, has so imbued into their philosophy that that everyone believes in this certain type of religious thinking, things sure. like that. Because right. there, there's always going to be other ideologies and and hegemonies that that are uh, are infused through liberalism because liberalism is by its nature so vague, uh, and because and because something else that's really important, which is that it always brings in exceptions for itself. Yeah. Um, because liberalism can never really function uh, without producing these weird outgroups, which isn't something that you usually end up thinking of when you think about liberalism. But it, it becomes more evident and more true as liberalism becomes neoliberalism, mm-hmm. which is a term that it, it's funny because it applies to more people, but fewer people use it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know neo- very many people. Neo- that call neoliberalism that. has definitely bridged, I think, a gap between a lot of ideologies, not necessarily in, in a good good way either. Um, right. What would you? What, so you you did in your description of liberalism describe a little bit of neoliberalism, uh, primarily in that neoliberalism is uh, an ideology that's almost not an ideology because it's almost purely economic. It's a marketization of, of sure. uh, individuals. Right. Yeah. Um, um, so the way, the way I, I guess I would understand neoliberalism to be is you, you take the, the root of liberalism and you rather than, rather than sort of a laissez faire sort of, uh, indifference to how the market operates you intentionally uh uh craft uh systems which favor the the quote-unquote free market Mm, um right and then you know you you take uh you know when when liberalism exists it uh in in the infancy of of america you know that you still had slaves so there there was a an obvious uh um not freedom for a lot of people uh back then um and then Mm -hmm. so so what you do with neoliberalism is everybody is you know uh i guess living under the pretense that we're all free um but you know you (laughs) the, the the way the market actually works is none of us are truly free because you need to get a job and in order to survive and right um so so neoliberalism is is a is a structured version of of that liberalism that used to exist that not only wants the market to be free but actively enforces a a uh, quote-unquote free market um yeah and and you see this in a lot of like trade deals and stuff that that are you know put into law um Rather than you know just letting the market decide for itself, the the government takes an active role in maintaining these structures. Right. In 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 fact, uh, in the original views of liberalism, there's this uh, uh, intense, though uh, hypocritical, because it, like you mentioned, uh, slavery, this this advocacy for the less fortunate and things like that, uh, right. because the fact that everyone is supposed to. Uh, evade tyranny, uh, or not even evade tyranny. Tyranny should be destroyed so you don't need to evade it. Um, and and also, you, you know, noting um, the the slavery example and the, and the way that it shifted, it hasn't even necessarily shifted in a way that now everyone is a little less free. But it, it's it's now shifted in a way so that uh, you know you you are only a justified neoliberal subject 
if you have certain types of citizenship, things like that. Right. Um, and so the the outgroups still absolutely exist uh, in the same ways that they existed in slavery. We still have slaves. We just have them sitting in an island off of <laughs> India somewhere, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. It's, it's it's not necessarily that slavery was ever ended. It's It was, uh, I, w- I would say... Or prisons. Yeah, I would say maybe like if i was to synthesize my definition of neoliberalism to like a the finer point um uh neoliberalism is like a sanitization of all the problems of uh of liberalism uh it's, right. it's not necessarily that you know everything bad about liberalism ended it's just that the image has been cleaned up yeah in a lot of ways it, it, it's it's funny because it's um uh, it, it's cleaned up its image in a lot of weird, funny ways while also making itself worse and more monstrous, which I, I guess occurs when you do like compensatory cleaning. Right. You're right. Um, but, uh, you know, neoliberalism didn't really come into real existence until, you know, Reagan and Thatcher. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, um, uh, but I would probably place the rise of neoliberalism somewhere around like Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in this same general space of time, we have Milton Friedman, who has his responses to things like uh, advocacy for the less fortunate and refers to that as a corruption of the term liberalism, because we have a new weird, bizarre redefining of what liberalism is, um, because with advocacy for others, there's a uh, depletion of individual personal responsibility, right. or at least that's how they kind of view it. Sure. Um, and and, and, and so personal the, personal responsibility is obviously a very important facet of uh, neoliberalism. Yeah, and innately ends up knocking a lot of people um, off of this imaginary perfect boat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people who are in uh, are unable to work for various reasons. Um, you know, uh, just one one very easy example: if you happen to be blind or you can't walk or something of the sort, it's going to uh, change the way that your personal responsibility necessarily functions in the world. Um, I mean, just, just as the most like the, the easiest to, uh, to defend kind of space or not even the easiest to defend, but the easiest to understand because it's, right. it's infinitely more complex than that. Where also the, the place that you're born, the family that you're in, uh, the places that you move to, different economic factors, whether or not you're ter- treated as an externality by markets, things like that, yeah. uh, are all going to play with the way that your personal responsibility uh, should have to function in order to you know, bring you to an equal playing field with everyone else, right. which there is no such thing. But the and, and, and thought like Friedman's uh, in this is, is based on, you know, not only the fact that everything becomes necessarily marketized. Uh, and that self-interest becomes a good thing, but it's based on a perversion of the idea that um, by that, that that government can only exist to uh, to put power and pressure on people, right? Uh-huh. And, and and that that is innately bad. Um, right. Because, because they, of course, whenever we think about government power, especially in the United States, we have a tendency to think of it as becoming tyrannical and being something that we need to fend off and things like that. And that certainly does happen. Um, 
but we also well, seem to the, the reason the reason mm-hmm. that we see it that way is because that's like the self-fulfilling prophecy that they've made where right. you know government is only allowed to act in that that role um yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so when when we see large government institutions we we become naturally suspicious of them because that is the only way that that government has operated um, exactly and, and, and that part of the evolution of these systems from um, these, these systems that seem now bizarre uh, and terrifying in some ways, but back, back when we had um, uh, common land, right? And everyone had this, this shared space uh, and there wasn't private property, things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's good and there's bad in that. Um, but with common land and with governmental power and things like that, there's still always going to be some kind of force uh, displayed by government uh, and by whatever existing power there is, which is exactly how we moved on from common land to enclosure, uh, where, where private groups or individuals ended up snagging up common land and turning it into private property right. and then having serfs and things like that work on them, which <laughs> was uh, just another a weird version of proto-capitalism, right? Yeah. Um, and and so in in a way to evil, avoid and escape from this enclosure uh, model, uh, the the liberal framework, which I think is right in a lot of ways, uh, seeks to break down enclosure into smaller and smaller parts so that everyone's lives individually become essentially, private property enclosures uh, in, in a, a metaphorical and a literal sense as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that the only engagement that can or should function between people um, <laughs> should be one that's based on a financialized self-interest or a marketized, not necessarily financialized. Right, yeah. Um, which which the, maybe the, the most important uh, problem that comes along with that is that it does away with all array of ethical philosophies. And it does it in, in a way, it, it removes care ethics, it removes a lot of deontology, uh, and, and it does it in such a way that makes it seem as if it is purely logical uh, and, and post-ideology, and it's not. Um, the, the the forces that ended up inventing neoliberalism, uh, the, uh, the the Mont Pelerin Society, that like you know this sound that that name makes it sound like it's conspiracy theory, but um, <laughs> you know I- individuals like Milton Friedman and a lot of different right. people uh, that, that were part part of this kind of mode of thought, they developed these very complex uh, and in many ways very well thought out philosophical and ideological arguments for why neoliberalism should necessarily function, and so it has just as complex and just as ideological framework as any other kind of framework that it does away with. Uh, it's just that it's more easily hidden because everything is hidden behind market movement and the invisible hand. Um, uh, would, would you maybe want to expand on, on what the, uh, the invisible hand is? Um, okay. As, as yeah, a concept? Uh, absolutely. So, so the invisible hand is essentially this idea that there are uh, mechanistic functions inside of the marketplace. And the marketplace for, for neoliberals uh, is the entirety of human interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there are mechanistic functions that exist between human beings that are necessarily balancing. Um, and they are explained in ways that are ultimately 
essentially untrue uh, because if you've ever studied any kind of economics, uh, you understand that uh, any one rule also uh, conflicts with itself, uh, <laughs> right? So if, if supply drops, uh, you'll either have an, an immense increase or an in, immense decrease in uh, the price of a good, things like that. Right. Um, and it all, it's because it's, 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 it's extremely complicated. Math can explain some parts of it, but ultimately it's not as mechanistic or at least not as immediately mechanistic as people make it out to be because political economy is still part of what makes people work, which is to say, um, in, in a lot of words, uh, we live in a society. <laughs> right? So, so part, uh, part, of, part of the idea of the, the invisible hand though, is also that, uh, mm-hmm. the, the invisible hand is, you know, the, the mechanisms of the market. Um, if a company is maybe not producing, uh, a useful thing, uh, the invisible hand of the market will, you know, move in such a way that they, they will no longer have a business, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so that your business or your 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 uh, whatever you're producing sort of lives or dies on its own merits. Yes. Um, yes. And, um, and, and that. Go ahead. Uh, but 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 that your your business does, but also your individual uh, uh, flourishing in that greater system functions right. the same way. Um, and that's what I meant by these mechanistic processes is, is that there are uh, innate things that will or will not occur depending on some theoretically universal and objective moral framework that math has to follow. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Uh, Which is that like, if you poison people uh, with like spoiled meat uh, in your sausages, that people will stop buying the sausages because magically, number one, they'll know that it was the sausages that did right, it. Exactly. And also, yeah. you know, that, that boycott. Even, like even that though work. there's no regulation and no testing that yeah. would uh, let you know that, you know, right. there's salmonella uh, in these sausages or whatever. Yeah. Some, yeah. Somehow and, and, you're just supposed to know, ah, it was the sausages. <laughs> and so this, this, this idea that the invisible hand uh, works really elegantly and perfectly um, is 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 exactly what makes uh makes for the neoliberal argument that um um there can be no intervention in these free markets uh even though there's no such thing as a free market there's no such thing as lack of intervention it just depends where you want the intervention to come from right uh because none of this is a closed system uh all of these systems are entirely open and affected by any one of uh, limitless different human conditions and actions. Well, I mean, um, we we could look at present day uh, events uh, to to see a, a pretty huge example of you know an outside uh, an outside force kind of destroying right. the market. Um, yeah. and, and this is where we start getting into the the contradictions of of liberalism and neoliberalism because. You know, you have all these all, all these companies that are failing financially because you know they're either shut down or mostly shut down, and then you know the government has to step in. And this is where I think you know liberalism, neoliberalism, um, is more than just uh, allowing the free market. It's it's ensuring the the structure of the market uh, because you know you get all these bailout funds for for all these companies that. Right. Didn't have rainy day funds or anything like that for for operation. Um, right, right. 
And yeah, there there are um, there are a couple weird faces to neoliberalism, um, and and we're we're made to believe that ultimately they're opposite sides uh, of uh, a, a very wide space, but they're not right. Mm-hmm. So when you think of ne- neoliberalism, you think of Reagan and you think of Thatcher. Um, but if if you want to think of it accurately. You also need to look at the founders of neoliberalism as being Blair and and uh, and Clinton, oh, because sure. they're the people yeah. that ended up bringing them onto the the you know the nominal the nominal left. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the difference between these types of liberalism is that one of them pretends not to have bigotry or as much bigotry as you know part of its facade, um, even though all of these market forces will ultimately cause. Uh, just as much harm uh, to you know subaltern or, or minoritized people uh, as anything else will. Um, but but on the other the, the the other thing that the the neoliberal quote unquote left does is that it allows for some kind of uh, feckless uh, uh, regulation, and it sends that regulation in these small amounts can fix it, and then often rolls it back uh, after it does a little bit of good yeah, will. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just, um, and just you know, recent events. You know, you've got poisoned water in several several mm-hmm. uh, cities now, um, <laughs> and it's because you know that the regulation existed that kept the water from being poisoned by a company, but then it got rolled back because of one system or another kind of uh, supplanting that regulation or, right, or right. removing it outright. Um, yeah. And then you, you also have weird <laughs> regulations or, or laws that get invented. Um, and, and they, they sound, they sound almost good initially. And then you realize how insane they are uh, by the kind of the, the neoliberal left. Uh, I, I hate saying that I, I need a better term for it, but, um, but the uh, things like carbon trading, right? Yeah. Right. Like, um, Oh, well, as long so, as you pay a certain amount of money, then you're, you're absolved. And you your, can pollute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to pollute. And, no, it's, and it's, that, it's that, not that uh, <laughs> we want to stop pollution. It's just that you should have to pay money if you're going to do it. Right. And, and honestly, that's what a lot of these regulations are uh, around climate and pollution and everything to begin with. Oh, um, man, for sure. Which which is that, you know, you're, you're going to get some kind of a, uh, a fine for using, you know, a lake as a capital externality. <laughs> um, and and these things are just viewed as, as part of uh, cost of operating. Um, and, and and that's that's a way for them to try to use the market. And allowed the market to be in some way free um, uh, while managing itself in a way. If we just make it more expensive to do certain things, uh, then people will stop doing them in certain ways. And maybe if it was, you know, ex- as gratuitous as it should be, you know, these these fees and things like that, it would cause a difference. But they 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 don't, and they won't. No. Um, well, you know, it's, 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 you, you know, you, you got to think of it in terms like a speeding ticket, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if, if your average, you know, low wage, low wage earner gets a speeding ticket, that's a huge thing to them. Right. Um, right. if Elon Musk to, to, to throw a name out there decides to take mm-hmm. his Tesla truck 150 miles down, you know, the middle of a road and gets a massive ticket for it, like that doesn't mean anything to him. He's, right. he's not going to be financially ruined out of that because, 
he, he just has so much more wealth. And so, you know, you, you can find a company like, oh yeah, it's $10,000 to litter. Well, you know, what is that to a company sometimes? Nothing. Right. Right. Um, exactly. Especially if you're going to make $50 billion by, I, by uh, you know, changing the policy. You know, yeah. Not to, not to throw myself under a bus here. Um, it's not really throwing myself under a bus, but the government, the government owns a bus. It's a socialist bus. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of, one of my previous employers was a uh, pharmaceutical company. Um, and one of my jobs was to maintain our, our emissions. Uh, we had a, uh, uh blanking it was like a liquid nitrogen cooled condenser um that would like take all the emissions that we had from our laboratory and condense it down and then you know when when it was in that condensed form all the vapors that we were putting out uh it would drain into a tank and then we'd get the tank you know taken care of properly well okay there's a metaphor here but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyways i would drink that fluid um no not really uh <clears throat> sure, yeah. but but you know oftentimes this uh this system would fail because it was it was not properly installed in the first place um not everybody mm. knew how to operate it properly you know there sometimes we would run low on the liquid nitrogen or whatever and so you know we we had uh uh shoot i'm forgetting the name of the organization it was the environmental health people um would come right. out and, and do regular emissions testing on us and the reason that they kept coming out is because we were constantly failing our emissions and right. you know you think oh okay well we kept on getting these you know couple thousand dollar fines for this well we're making millions and millions of dollars yep. every week so yeah. Of course we don't no, care. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I cared about um, it on a principle that, you know, I didn't mm -hmm. like that uh, as part of the reason I left was because, you know, there, there was such a low importance placed on, on the ethical running of the business. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, like it, it, it doesn't matter to the company to, to, to receive a fine when, when you're making so much more than the fine will ever set you back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I actually didn't have this slotted as something we, we could talk about, but this is a, it's, it's maybe a good moment to do it. But um, last year, one of the big projects that I ended up doing was I was doing a, a survey and some like eco aesthetics work um, around a Superfund site that we have out here in Chicago. Uh, of course, on South Side, because you can only put toxic waste where there are black people and you can only allow black people to live where there's toxic waste. You know, it's, right. it's just it's, it's just the, the invisible hand of the free market doing the thing that it's supposed to do. I, I really um, like the term super fund. Um, it's so it's so funny. And I, because, I'm about to get because into that like, Yeah. I mean, like just on just on its face value, the, the term super fund is like, oh, that sounds maybe positive. Right. Um, if if you're unaware of what is I'm not talking to you, talking to the audience. If you're unaware of what a super fund site is, it is a toxic waste dump essentially. Um, right. And, 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 and I, I believe the definition even includes that like this this level of toxic waste is completely unlivable. Yeah, essentially. Okay, yeah. so so uh, to to make one clarification, uh, it is a, it is a toxic waste dump. 
uh, because people do dump into these places. Yeah. But it is it is in no way marked off for dumpage. Right. Uh, so, some of them are, some of them aren't. Uh, but generally speaking, and the the super fun site that I did my work at uh, was not a legally mandated or okayed site, uh, which is really funny because it still included municipal dumping. Um, <laughs> so is the government breaking its own rules to get rid of toxic waste in this illegal dumping site? That's uh, um, that's yeah, perfect. It's so awesome. Um, but you know, th- th- thankfully, municipal dumping was not nearly as bad there as uh, you know market induced dumping, right. uh, which is my my favorite term that I just invented. Um, but the so the, the way that the Superfund site was initially designed to function was that there would be this huge super fund uh, of money that was put aside. And they did put aside a decent amount of money. In, I'm sure, I'm I think sure the, they the, did. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was put aside so that they could uh, do some kind of planned remediation for these spaces uh, and then theoretically remediate them. And upon remediation, uh, what would occur is that um, the responsible parties would be fined or subsequently sued um, for the amount necessary in order to make up for the money taken out of the super fund, uh, but also that the super fund would grow would grow uh, based on taxes uh, that were placed on companies that are dealing with uh, you know the kinds of chemicals that would eventually be dumped. Right. Um, but the the problem. Are that uh, none none of these these funds fucking matter, and our government will uh, uh, you know drain them uh, as quickly as it can uh, because there are people in our government that genuinely want to do away with government, especially the good things that government does. Yeah, um, that taxes are uh, extremely avoidable, uh, especially you know uh, there there are. There are companies that whether or not they shifted this to avoid taxes or uh, just did this because it's cheaper to do it here. There are international companies that dump toxic waste in the United States. Like Which, it's, it's, it's not, it's not just because there's a factory close by. No. It's just easier and yes, better and cheaper to dump your shit here. Dump it here. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's apparently easier to dump your toxic waste uh, into a little South side Chicago neighborhood than it is to dump it into fucking a, a river in Germany where you live. Uh, and I mean, it's better for your health. <laughs> um, but then also, you know, uh, these companies have infinitely more uh, money and resources uh, dedicated to dealing with these lawsuits than the government does. And so all they do is they accept that a lawsuit is happening and they just evade it for forever. Yeah. Pending. And so the Superfund project is uh, essentially defunded. Um, I was going to say, it's, it's... has taken... Completely useless. Yeah, it's it's so useless. It's entirely useless. Well, it's it's it's, so a, the, it's a fundamentally flawed proposition, if if you ask me to, oh yeah, yeah. to say, oh, okay, it's it's okay for companies to dump here and we'll take care of it on the back end. Well, you know, you're you're already assuming that a these companies are going to be successful for the time that that you need to take care of that. Like, <laughs> point. Yeah. So, I mean, one, one I mean, of the, one of the things where where you're mm-hmm. living at um, wasn't wasn't there kind of like an automobile industry boom around that area? Or um, I think was, I'm, I think I'm thinking of automobiles. You are, but but there yeah. was there was a huge uh, uh, metal production, and then there's it was. It was uh, also production. tar sands, tar sands taken down from Canada. 
right fall along so, the, so the, the metal industry River. there kind of exploded um and, yeah. and now you know the, the metal industry is dead so where are you going to get that money from for for all the toxic waste dumping that that the uh, the metal industry did there you're not going to get right, it from right. anywhere because the, that industry is dead in america uh so and a big part of that which is uh which is incredible uh and i i i didn't just explore this toxic waste site the one that i was at and this is this is hilarious, but it's it was actually a, a relatively as Superfund sites go minor Superfund site, which explains why I'm still alive and I uh, <laughs> yeah. regret that. No, yeah. I, I wore PPE and stuff when I was like wading through this toxic water and shit, but like I still you know something. Um, but it was relatively minor versus a lot of the ones that exist. But I also wandered through a lot of the Calumet. Uh, cluster area, which is also the name of the Superfund site. You should look into it and you should complain to anyone that you can. It won't do anything, but it might make you feel better about yourself. What was the, uh, the, the, the name Calumet of that? Cluster. Calumet. The Calumet Cluster. C-A-L-U-M-E-T Cluster. Um, and uh, I hope I spelled that right because uh, I'm, I'm a few in uh, per usual. But, <laughs> so, Same, um, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Uh, but anyway, so one of the big things that happens in a lot of these factories uh, and and uh, dumpage sites and, uh, you know, everything related in the area is that they're owned by, you know, individuals like the Koch brothers. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the standard uh, functions, and this is extremely neoliberal. And then the, I'll tell you about the flip side of this, which is amazing as well. But the, the the whole idea is that you take you buy an existing company that does things like house toxic waste. Uh-huh. You drive it into the fucking ground. <laughs> excuse me. Um, in the most aggressive way possible, you make sure that everything that they use is the cheapest. Um, you uh, don't pay anyone anything. You just you dig it into the fucking ground uh, so that, you know, you, you spend as little money on, on the company as possible right. uh, and you fail it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, and, and with this, there's a huge uh, environmental cost, uh, of course, because you're dealing with toxic chemicals. Uh, but then there's a huge human cost, even when you're not thinking about like the fact that you have manganese and tar sands and stuff in giant uncovered piles dripping into the fucking groundwater. Um, but there's a huge human cost because there are people working in these companies that don't have like appropriate protections and things of the sort, and then they lose their jobs. Um, <laughs> the only jobs uh, available in the area, right? But but the, you know there are individuals like like I said the Koch brothers uh, that they're a big factor in the area where they buy up these companies, they grind them into the ground, and they get rid of them. So the intention is to never have these companies that that do survive that can you know pay into taxes and uh, pay into super funds and things like that. But on the, the flip side of it, the, the whole intention of the Superfund project and uh, a lot of the art and uh, a lot of the, the academic writing that I was doing at the moment uh, had to do with, you know, a lot of the actual legal material around the Superfunds. Mm-hmm. But the intention uh, uh, and definition of remediation is that a space can be changed from a toxic waste site to a space uh, ready for productive use. Productive use are the important words. And, and, and all by that productive means, use, uh, please, yeah. uh, this is meaning like developable land. Um, is that is that what you mean? Theoretically, I mean, what what what, what do they mean? Is the question? Well, yeah. Because what, this what, is what, their, their, yeah. their verbiage. Sure, sure, sure. But, 
but no, the, no, the idea is that you're we'll... responsible for this and i'm holding you responsible <laughs> i should be yeah. if, if i was i'd just kill myself and oh, get it fixed man. But, yeah well i mean that's that's um, the way i mean to someone should it. yeah yeah um but anyway so so um Productive use, essentially meaning that it can be used inside the market again. Uh, it can return to the types of use that it saw before. And be it a, uh, a place where a grocery store gets placed or housing. While we already have plenty of housing, we don't have enough affordable housing. It depends on the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are more empty homes than there are homeless people in the country. We know that. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge developing more housing advocate, so long as it's maybe not you remediating a toxic waste site so that you can build housing on it. Maybe don't do that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say um, that, that would be an extremely neoliberal uh, platform it too. Would, it would. And I think that's their plan. I, I think that's ultimately one of the things oh, that they I do. Wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, and, and, you know, all, all, along the river, they do take a lot of these sites and then they slate them for public housing and things of the sort. This is, this is a big thing that Rahm Emanuel did before he left. But they slate these spaces for public housing, and then at the last minute, once all of this is approved, they make a few tweaks, and then they decide that it's going to be uh, waterside luxury condos, and then they yeah. pass some new laws that make that so that it can actually work. Um, and so it's all it's all evil and really cool. Uh, but one last fact about the Superfund project that isn't innately connected to our topic, but is also really really cool. <laughs> um, is that the, the Calumet cluster site was uh, identified uh, and and scheduled for some kind of remediation over 20 years ago. And they put together a remediation plan and we have waited for two decades to do anything with it. That sounds uh, about right. And it just sits there. It just sits there <laughs> in, in entirely toxic. And in readings of the soil in the area, have certain chemicals like toluene, you know, these different petroleum distillate compounds right? or, or, or carbon compounds, you know, um, they have them in readings that uh, exceed soil saturation by like three times. And so there's literally oil, not usable, but oil leaking out of the ground when you walk. That's uh... it's insane. And it's a minor toxic. It's a minor toxic site. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. It's really cool. Uh, Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for that. uh, Right. Slight diversion from the topic, but uh, still still, still, still important. Yeah. Still important. Still uh, informative. Um, And, and, and to, and to bring it back into, you know, the the terms of neoliberalism and stuff, um, there are two important quotes by two people that I will, despite being a pretty far leftist, uh, one of them might be surprising, but I I will say that both of these human beings are terrible people um, in different ways. Yeah. But uh, Thatcher (laughs) uh, referred to neoliberalism uh, and said that there's no alternative. That's one of her famous uh, sayings. It's the only possible way forward, yeah. Um, And if you want a response to that, that's very depressing um, and kind of says also the same thing but then you know doesn't uh and it's incredibly readable and it's a great first theory text for any of our listeners if you're not familiar with theory and you care about this kind of stuff not necessarily toxic waste but but about neoliberalism and the way that capital uh ends up functioning uh read mark fisher's capitalist realism it is an awesome baby's first theory book it's incredible i i've read it a couple times recently and it's still amazing uh, despite the fact that I live and read this stuff, uh, it's fantastic. But it's called Capitalist Realism, Is There No Alternative? So it pops in my head. Um, 
But the second quote uh, is uh, from Lenin. Ah. Uh, and it's essentially, I forget exactly what the, what the quote uh, entirely is, but the, the claim is imperialism is the ultimate stage of capitalism. Um, and that's wrong and right at the same time. <laughs> right. Um, in that uh, it's wrong because imperialism functions alongside with capitalism and is kind of a distilled version of it yeah. uh, or a distilled version of neoliberalism in a bizarre way because of the, you know, that externality balance that we were talking about, mm-hmm. which applies to both slaves, uh, uh, immigrants, um, non-citizens and to uh, toxic waste sites like that. That's actually another kind of externality, mm-hmm. uh, non-humans, things like that, be it space or be it animals. Um, but there, so there's, there's always some kind of an outside group that's then sapped for all of its value and worth, uh, and destroyed, but, uh, as exists in imperialism. Um, but there is our next subject, uh, which is fascism, which I would say, which I would argue, and I'm going to that, uh, if, if we have time this time or we'll do it next time, but, uh, that fascism is actually the ultimate stage of neoliberalism. I, I think, I think uh, I would agree. I, I, I think based on our conversation so far that we we definitely do. Uh, where are we when it comes to timing? Uh, we're we're about at the forty four minute mark, so we've we've actually got a decent amount of time left before yeah. before we're like annoying. So, yeah. okay. Uh, I've I've already blown my load. Then I've already given away like my big <laughs> my big uh, conclusion. Damn. Um, well, but uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wipe this off and see what we can make out of it. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I mean, with neoliberalism, there's there's probably a few like good uh, final points to make then before sure. we move on to fascism. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna um, talk a little bit because you please please um, because I've been talking constantly. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is more uh, a, a subject that you know more about than I do. I think yeah. uh, in terms of theory. Um, you mentioned, you know, uh, the, the the issue with you know workers under neoliberalist uh, uh, <laughs> conditions, um, and you know, uh, one of the issues, one of the major issues with neoliberalism is is there's so much uh, personal responsibility placed on on the individual. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the only way that like you, you see a homeless person, uh, and, and you know, the, the neoliberal response to this is, well, they need to, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and engage in the market and then they'll become, you know, productive members of society. Um, right. but you know, the, the issue with that is obviously if, if you're, living homeless then you can't usually get a job because you don't have like an address to put down or nobody will hire you because you're not seen as clean or you know there's 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 so much that goes into it and so you know this this idea that uh personal responsibility uh can be treated that way you know um and then you know another thing is you've got all these all these companies that that tank and you know what, what are you supposed to like the coal industry would be a good example i would say um where you know the the west virginia appalachian uh coal industry you know suddenly died and now you're going to tell all these people oh well you know it's a matter of personal responsibility that you you know continue to engage in the market and also you know rise yourself out of the poverty that you're now uh 
subjected to. Yep. Uh, well, you know, what are they supposed to do? They can't make jobs just suddenly exist. They can't pay themselves because they don't have their their own sources of income. You know, they don't. They're not yep. just going to magically make a new industry. Um, absolutely, and, absolutely. And, and, you know the 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 neoliberal response to it, and I'm laughing only because I, I think it's so absurd. But you know, like oh, I'll make them coders. Yeah, like, teach them how to code, and it's like okay, well, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> sure, you you've you've solved the issue of maybe you've given them a, a new industry they can engage with. Um, but you know, right. now, now you're going to be overloading a new industry and. There's no guarantee that that industry is going to last for forever either. You know, as, as, right. and, and as we keep moving it, towards more and more automated systems and um, uh, yeah. like AI I, is I eventually really, going to be able to start writing its own code. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm really, really excited for uh, all the tech pros to become like our new sad coal industry <laughs> where that none of them have jobs or anything. But, but you know, neoliberalism also has this weird tendency to treat everyone like a tabula rasa, right? Where, where everyone sure. is a blank slate that can be retrained or treated uh, in any way because the only and, thing that matters yeah, and is and the it's not to yeah, say interactions that, with you within these groups not not the people themselves it's, it's not um, to say that you know a coal miner can't eventually become a coder as well sure. um, a lot of them can a lot of them can Most but probably. that's, that's I mean, not the uh, that's not the answer when when you spent you know exactly. 30 years of your life mining coal the answer isn't oh i'll yeah. just learn this new skill and you know you, you, now, right, you're, right. now you're re-entering the workforce at an entry level um, where, exactly. where after, you know, you've, you've developed this whole career for 30 years. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Mike, uh, I know that you like cooking. Right? I do love cooking. And you, yes. You're a good cook. You are a cook. I, you, you are a good I appreciate cook. that. Um, but, but if, if suddenly everything that you were able to do, uh, with electronics and building and things like that, if all of those jobs dried up entirely from you, for you, and yeah. then suddenly the government told you that you can have a a job as a line cook and that's the only job they could give you yeah that's even that's, in, that's totally going to replace my life. like my my last 10 years of building myself into this career <laughs> right and even if it paid you well um it's still not necessarily a change that you would want to even as someone that likes cooking would want to or would be able to helpfully healthfully make right yeah i've uh intentionally stayed away from the uh the food service industry um no, we can teach you how to how to food, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure I could do fine in, in the role of a uh, line cook. I, uh, and if you can, then you should. Oh, okay. Well, that's enough. that's yeah. the rule, yep. right? And and w w when you bring up, uh, well, this, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the 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 homeless uh, uh, problem and, and things like that, uh, not necessarily, you know, that that has different coding that I, I that I meant, but. Sure. Uh, when, when we're talking about people that are homeless and needing to pull themselves up by their bootstraps uh, and things like that, um, it's, it's neoliberalism looking at itself and ignoring a lot of its own components, which is that, yes, it does believe in personal responsibility, but the only reason it believes in personal responsibility is that uh, it believes that there is a uh, like an essential freedom and dignity that are already applied to everyone uh, and that policy and arbitrary power threaten it, right? Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is that's not everyone, be it someone who is disabled, be it someone who has experienced life uh, in some way that wasn't ideal, like life tends to do. 
but be it through any one of, of many different variables, not everyone is necessarily placed in a dignified and free condition, right? And and that's often, more often than not, due to things that are innate in neoliberalism, like the necessity of competition, where a homeless person, yeah, I mean, they can learn to stand up, but are they going <laughs> to learn to stand up very well if you're kicking them every time that they try? And then there's also well, the application of like downward the, pressure. The initial comment I had when I was joking about you being homeless and, uh, you know, the, the spikes that are placed on the sidewalk so that homeless <laughs> right, people can't right. sleep there. Like, if you yeah. continually disrupt their lives, then you're not giving them a chance to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And, right. and you know, that the framework doesn't exist to assist these people in any sort of way. Uh, it just tells yeah. them, hey, you, you need to work your way out of this. Um and, and, and you can and, apply that to to all different stages and and hierarchies within the market, right? Yeah. Uh, like I know so so many people right now that I used to work with um, who are talking about, you know, why do I have to work in a hardware store and make less money than people who aren't working right now? Um, and yeah, I mean it's, that's it's a, a good valid, question. It's a valid question, it, and, and it, the it answer is, but, is but that... the answer stop working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, genuinely the, what the answer to that should be. And I know that it's, you know, the law is more complicated and that's not exactly how, right. uh, how unemployment and stuff works, but the government should be treated in the way that people seem to think that it works where the government should be adversarial and competing against businesses to some degree. And they oh, should absolutely. be, they should be offering jobs and unemployment benefits and things like that that are competitive with the market that force even even with the increases in minimum wage but maybe even increases in minimum wage wouldn't have to happen nearly as much even though they should be around 25 dollars right now mm -hmm. uh, but wouldn't necessarily have to happen if unemployment benefits were uh extraordinary enough that they would be competitive against you know bullshit work yeah, and, and, and I mean that was anyone <laughs> that, that's and, like and anyone that thinks that 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 not being employed, uh, being more beneficial to you than working your shitty job, those people should be happy about that because it should give them pressure against their stupid fucking boss. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you, you you were trying to say. Yeah. Oh no, I was going to say. I mean, I mean, it, it makes the, the case itself. If if you're not being paid, what the government. Uh, you know unemployment rate like unemployment is supposed to basically just get you by that's the way it's constructed i think it right. should be more than just getting you by absolutely um, but the way it's the way it's currently constructed and we talked about it a little bit last last uh last episode where you know Mnuchin is saying, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll cover seventy percent of wages." Um, that vampire fuck. Yeah, he's. he's I a, fucking hate that guy so much. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, most most punchable face I think I've ever seen. It's um, up there. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's up there. Um, but you know, it, so you know, seventy percent of what a lot of these people making already isn't enough to really get them by and so i couldn't if, survive off of what i was making during my gap year i wouldn't be able to survive off the oh, fucking yeah, for sure. of that yeah. it's insane no and and you know so <laughs> the 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 thought that you know like oh they're getting paid more than i'm getting paid to work well yeah uh 
then you need to stop working. <laughs> yeah, you're getting fucked. Yeah, you're, don't blame them. Yeah, blame don't, your don't boss. Be, don't be mad because somebody who lost their job is now making more money than you. Be and honestly, mad that, always blame your boss. Yeah, always, <laughs> always blame your boss. And, and further than that, blame blame the structures that that yes, yeah, that make this the the system. You know. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's one of the that's one of the major things about neoliberal economics and politics and ideology uh, and its obsession with the individual. And like I said, I, I agree with a lot of the basic liberal tenets uh, about well, sure. liberty and individuality. There's, there's and plenty like of that. agreeable things but, in there, but you well, know, sure, I, sure. I think one of the major things that neoliberalism kind of uh, uh, enforces is trading your labor for wages. Um, yeah. And then that, that creates a sort of system where, uh, you know, wages aren't seen as a tool for empowering people so much as right. they're seen as an overhead cost. An overhead cost and uh, and an identifier kind of. Uh, but the so the, the, but the, the thing I was going to say about it is that. Um, fuck, did I lose it? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> but the. The. The obsession with everyone being an individual uh, and justifying themselves entirely upon an individual basis mm -hmm. is that it, it it obscures all of the systemic and wider ideological problems, and it, it kind of cloaks itself in that. Oh, yeah, because absolutely. neoliberal capitalism is an incredibly uh, uh, transparent and yet occluded and shadowy type of ideology because it's so invasive and it's so complete and it's it's so paradoxical against itself so that you can live it every day of your life and not think anything of it because of the fact that you are entirely absorbed by it um, and because you are an individual you couldn't possibly and, and and that your system relies on individuals it couldn't possibly be that this system of individuals relies also entirely upon systemic problems sure yeah, it's um, um, the, the classic, uh, you know, you're you're responsible for your own actions, sort of thing. Um, right, and yes, you are, but also, <laughs> well, I mean, to to an extent, you're you're like, uh, sure. you know, I, I don't blame a starving person for stealing, right. You know? Like uh, I don't blame anyone for stealing, honestly. Yeah, I mean, at, at this juncture, we're depends we're who you're stealing much, from. Yeah, but, yeah, steal from companies, not people. Exactly. If yeah. you work at a Home Depot, I, I will tell you right now, just if you're not stealing every day, yeah. you are you are really <laughs> you got to think you got to think about what you're doing. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Um, <laughs> They're not on your side. <laughs> the, the, the third component, though, about this whole the, the like homelessness thing uh, and and the idea that someone can just like pull themselves up um, is that it also ignores the fact that once once the ball is rolling, and one could certainly say that the ball is rolling when it comes to uh, the market, um, there is a constant downward pressure that is always going to be applied oh, to people. Yeah, and it's um, well, I mean, take take it in terms of of the uh, the eviction moratorium, right? It, it wasn't yeah. that there was. Uh, 
an absolution of rent or anything like that. It was just you weren't right. allowed to kick people out for a, a certain amount of time. And so right. all these people who couldn't pay their rent, well, it, it effectively did nothing but keep them housed, I guess, for a couple more months. But they're still going to have the same outcome where if their their landlord decides to kick them out, then they're they're fucked. Um, and then and then oh, background like it's insane. It's yeah. crazy uh, how that works. It's <laughs> It's fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't yeah. make any fucking sense. <laughs> no, it's, it's bonkers. It's it's anti-human bullshit, essentially. Yeah, it's it's, it's and, so vile towards just the basic fundamental, right. you know, idea of humanity. <laughs> and it, it it exposes again exactly what I was saying before, which is that the obsession with individual action uh, and liberty and and uh, you know everything going along with that um, obscures the larger systems at work that need to be fixed because uh, the only thing that we would have to do in order to, uh, to repair this problem the best we can when it comes to rent um, is make it so that every step in this system no longer requires the money necessary. That's no longer involved by people not being able to work. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you have uh, all mortgages, put a pause on that. All rent, put a pause on that. Give everyone 600 bucks. I don't care how fucking rich or poor you are. Just give everyone 600 fucking bucks. No, we need to have, just, we need to have means testing. Uh, yeah, right, we, right. We need, we need to go through all that so we can figure out it's, who really deserves it. Right. It, it shouldn't be this crazy idea that every individual is a closed system. There's no such thing as a closed system, let alone like an individual as one. No man is an island, as we you know you know we're yes. going on before. <laughs> um, but it's 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 insane. Um, and honestly, the fact that the the fact that life has gone on, um, and that the only real problems outside of people actually dying from the virus which is a huge fucking problem. Yeah. But the only problems that we end up experiencing in our lives really are problems that are ultimately arbitrarily and synthetically produced. Oh, absolutely. By it's like, okay. Financial <laughs> systems. Um, you know, Oh, uh, I've lost my job and I can't provide for myself. And now I'm going to be subjected to the worst, you know, oppression that the system can, can fundamentally give you. Hmm. Um, and yeah, and yeah, the, the idea that you know this is all individualistic. Well, it it can't be. That that's such a, a fantasy idea of, of how anything works. You know, the, the virus insane. the virus proves itself that you know we're we're not individuals. We're we're part of a, a uh, you know living breathing fabric of humanity. Um, right. And <laughs> you know, living breathing fabric uh, is is a good metaphor there. I think because. Uh, that was good. Yeah, we we can't live or breathe right now, um, <laughs> uh, unless you're wearing fabric masks over your face. Yeah, yeah. Wear wear a mask. Please, yeah, please, guys, wear your mask. That's uh, that's that's how we're going to uh, <laughs> sum this I, up, I guess. I, I I forgot where I where I heard this, uh, probably in a meme or something. But uh, one of the greatest mistakes that we've made um, with trying to explain this whole COVID crisis and deal with it 
is by telling American citizens that wearing masks is not for you. It's for other people. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think there is some truth to that because a lot of the, the anti-mask crew has got this, uh, exceptionalist belief that they, uh, they're somehow above it. Um, like, Oh, right. I don't need to wear a mask cause COVID can't hurt me. So I'll yeah. be fine. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't listened to Chapo in a long time, but one of the things that they used to always say is that, uh, you know, boomers just genuinely think that they're immortal. Uh, and yeah, kind of. Well, I mean, to, to a certain extent, I mean, they, they were Invincible. the generation that got the best health care in the last uh, however many generations. Best everything. Yeah. Excuse me. Well, and this is because they were they were still engaging with uh, with the market before uh, before neoliberalism kind of took place. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah, before all the mm. unions collapsed. Yeah. And, mm, weird. Uh, so oh, so uh, fascism. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, God, where where do we even begin with that? So there 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 are a lot of definitions for fascism, and fascism is something that's. Um, evades uh, definition a lot um, and a lot of people use this list that Umberto, Umberto Eco uh, had for Umberto. fascism yes. which works in a lot of ways um, but maybe isn't the most ideal one um, especially because the fact that, that per my memory of it it's been a little while since I've read it but I, I don't believe that there's anything on there about uh about economics necessarily uh actually uh, and i think that that's i'm looking is, is there i'm looking through this list and the, the first rule mm. is uh fascism is making you wear a mask <laughs> <laughs> nice nice hey. um, let's uh, let, let's go through this list really quick and and as i'll as i'll say again i don't think it's the best uh definitions for it but i think that it functions in a lot of ways uh, I like and i don't think i'm going to say anything that's really against it I feel like this should be set to uh, like Biggie's Ten Crack Commandments. Fuck yes, dude! Oh, oh my <laughs> God, that's actually a good meme idea. <laughs> uh, so, so number one, uh, the cult of tradition. One only has to look at the syllabus of every fascist movement to find the major traditionalist thinkers. Right. Uh, the Nazi right. gnosis was nourished by a traditionalist uh, syncretistic. No, syncretistic. Syncretistic. Yeah. Yep. Took me a second on that one. I've had a couple of beers. Um, occult <laughs> elements. Um, right. So, so that the um, the culture of tradition thing. I would also point out uh, with that, and I believe that this was one of Echo's initial points uh, in, in the, the larger text, but. But that the culture of tradition is always or seemingly always taking uh, disparate and disconnected forms of tradition and fusing them together. So right. it's it's a it's a cult of a new tradition that didn't exist before. Yeah. So like it's, it's not fascists, necessarily like, um, oh, every Christmas, you know, we all get together and we are like it's not tradition like every uh, Christmas Eve. We all open up one present or anything like that. It's it's a constructed sort of tradition that uh, like, hey, we've always, you know, been anti-gay, so we should keep being anti-gay or or something right. like and, that and, and that additionally there's like a fusion of, of things that occur uh, yeah. where you end up taking uh, and often from the people that you're shitting on uh, but uh, but also otherwise where you, where you take 
uh, a genuine part of your history or your mythology or whatever, and then add it in with something else that makes it point in a different I would direction. say maybe, that, maybe a good example of, of, of this kind of sort of uh, occultist tradition. Sort like the of thing. Sanskrit stuff in, in Nazism. Yeah, that or um, um, in America, present day, you know, you've got the idea that uh, we always had closed borders. And so, you know, we've got to right. make sure that the yeah. borders remain closed and secure. And, you know, the problem is that there's too many people coming over the borders because our tradition has always been that we're all just Americans. And, you know, these outsiders right. are coming in right. and ruining everything, which, you know, that the history of America yeah. is fundamentally yes. uh, an immigrant nation. So yeah, it's it's interesting because there's there's in the in the production of a culture tradition, there's also an erasure. Uh, yeah, right. that's, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, most of things, most of the things that <laughs> most of the things that Echo says uh, are also, uh, I mean, the most important takeaways from his stuff are that fascism is necessarily uh, contradictive with itself. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that it, it always says one thing and another, like uh, your enemy is weak what's, and your enemy is strong. Yeah. What's like what's the uh, what's the old I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a good one. Um, the <laughs> relating that to present day America, you know, you've got the Antifa super soldier, but also Snowflake. Uh, right, right, or the the very lazy Mexicans taking my job. Yeah, right, yeah, because yeah. that's that's uh, that's what industry loves is a lazy worker. <laughs> right, right, of course. Um, number two, the rejection of modernism, which links very well with the culture tra- tradition one. Mm. Uh, cult of action for action's sake. That's, I mean, yeah, that that, yeah. that makes sense. Um, which is funny because there's uh, there was that that quote by an anarchist thinker that I mentioned last time, uh, which fits in in a funny way. The uh, who cares for the uh, victim so long as the act is beautiful. <laughs> um, the, uh, the the way that Walter Benjamin, one of my favorite theorists, uh, would have explained this was that uh, he believed that necessary for fascism is the uh, asceticization of politics, uh, that politics needs to be turned into some kind of a weird performance or art in order to become fascistic. Uh, you, um, mean, you mean like wearing kente cloth instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of maybe like, I don't know, changing the system that kills black people. Maybe in a big part of it. I, I mean, just think about how fucking like awesome, uh, but also very weirdly homoerotic, uh, all of the Nazi uniforms were. Oh, they were like, yeah, I mean, they're pretty cool looking, but also every, every time I think whole, of that, like the I whole was, idea is that yeah. things look cool. Sorry. Go on. No, are we the baddies? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, well, there's that, but also, um, uh, Tom, Tom of Finland and how like his, uh, his extremely homoerotic art also featured strongly like cops <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right, strong right. men kind of wrestling and wrestling and subjecting each other to things. Yeah. And like the Bauhaus art and the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so we got, <laughs> let's see, well, the cult of action for action sakes, uh, disagreement is treason. Obviously that's uh, that's Absolutely. an easy one to, to kind of make there. Um, now, Real quick, what what is the difference between, um, you know, the, there's the idea that if you say the N word, you're going to get canceled, um, <laughs> versus uh, saying that, uh, um, well, yeah. So so you know, like, <clears throat> you're not allowed to say the N word anymore, is what a lot of people will get upset about on the uh, on the right. Um, most of them are. Uh, either fascist outright or, or crypto fascist. Right. Um, so 
what about like isn't it sort of fascist for someone from antifa to uh maybe punch a neo-nazi in the face when they're when they're talking about the uh systemic removal of a, of a certain uh ethnic group of people uh no oh okay cool <laughs> would, would you say would you say the difference lies in like uh maybe one's trying to uh kill a bunch of people and the other one is saying hey that's wrong and i'm gonna punch you for it <laughs> I, I would say that's a big part of it okay. sure okay i mean that so so one, one of the things that i love the most about uh about both analytic uh philosophy uh and the whole like facts and reason crew yeah, um, is that they seem to forget the analytic philosophy. That's more of just a, a meaningless swing. I'm just a shithead about that. It's not necessarily true, but the facts and reason uh, community is that they look at these incredibly small slivers of <laughs> um, information of something that's occurring yeah. and decides that each one of those things is what matters, not the larger context and and uh, uh, relations between things. Well, and yeah, so like and all, it, punching it, anyone is wrong. Sure, yes. if they disagree with you and you punch them, it's wrong. That's, that's and, wrong. And th- the thing is that so I, I don't think I mentioned this, which would have been maybe useful at the beginning. But one way to describe uh, what an ideology uh, or a hegemony of ideology uh, would be that it's it's a form of prioritizing facts and beliefs into actions um, or, or sorry, not. Yeah. 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 Into like actions uh, or responses. Sure. So uh, you don't punch people. Most people agree that you shouldn't punch people yes. except for when, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and people can agree more or less on different facts, even though there's a lot of like post fact or like alternative not necessarily even like a swing at the, the uh, MAGA people, though it also is. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of different like weird uh, alternate viewpoints and postmodern shit and everything going on. Um, and so it can complicate things. But ultimately, the only difference between one ideology and another is the way that you end up organizing and uh, placing in hierarchies and prioritizing uh, the facts that we agree on. Sure. Um, and so these claims like, you can never punch someone when they disagree with you. It's like, that's, that's fucking bullshit. What if, <laughs> Mike, if, if you come over to my house, we're, we're good friends. So maybe we could avoid this to some degree. But if, if you walk uh, into my house and you say, Dorian, I'm going to shoot you to death. Uh, and I say, I disagree. You shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't shoot me to death. And then you are, don't change your mind. And you're like, no, no, I'm I'm going to do yeah, that. I'm, I'm going to do it right now. Shoot you to death. Yeah. I, I might need to, I don't know. Like, at least try to tickle it out of you or something like <laughs> something needs to occur um, <clears throat> because there's implied action going along with words. Right. You know? and don't, don't kill someone for saying the N word probably, but also don't kill someone uh, for being uh, uh, a minority or something like that. Maybe. Uh, but if someone says they're, they're going to kill all of them, then yeah, maybe we should do something about that. Yeah. I believe that uh, <laughs> that falls under fighting words. Yeah, right. Exactly. Fighting words. Um, okay. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just wanted to clear that up because uh, I see a oh, lot absolutely. that uh, Antifa is a real fascist, which, you know. I want to I want to clarify one one fun thing okay. uh, with all this, because maybe one of our we have two fans now, right? Uh, 1.5. 
So maybe, maybe like 0.5 of our fans will disagree uh, about this and want to like start some shit. And I think that would be funny, but uh, you know, I was at, uh, I was at the Berkeley protest against Milo that started all of, all of this. So that's, you know, that started uh, all of this. That started all of this. All that of started this. the whole oh, anti-fascist geez, movement. Yeah. Yeah. There was no Antifa <laughs> before that, and there were no yeah. protests or anything before that. And it was a very meaningful protest. This, but is, that, uh, this is breaking stuff. This is yeah. We found I, I, I do Antifa, and it's uh. It's <laughs> I I but I I, I will say that uh, it was a very silly protest, but it absolutely should have happened. And oh, I'm yeah. glad that firecrackers were shot at cops, <laughs> and I hope that more MAGA guys should have gotten punched in the back of the head. It's a cowardly, cowardly it, way to my, do that. You got to punch him in the front of the head. Yeah, punch both. There's enough no, of you. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> punch each other's fists. It's a Ooh. fist bump in the midair. Anyway, um, uh, fear of difference. Yeah, fear of difference. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that was self-explanatory. Right? One, yeah. Uh, appeal appeal to, so- to social yeah, frustration. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, that is, is an this, important one. Is this maybe relevant to anything that's been going on lately? Absolutely not. Nothing. You know, one of my favorite things is since we're talking about fascism and you know wearing a mask (laughs) is is fascism. Dangerous to say. Um, (laughs) So, oh man, I I live in California. I think I've said a couple of times here. Um, uh, Gavin Newsom, when the the lockdown orders were first issued, uh, there was a bunch of protests, the anti-mask protests here in California. And uh, I think I want to say it was in Long Beach. For some reason, sounds right. Yeah, for some reason, Long Beach is the one that's coming to mind, or maybe it was like uh, Orange County in general. But I remember it was like the weekend after all these lockdowns were issued, and I saw a bunch of people out uh, with like Nazi flags that had Gavin Newsom's face on it. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm wondering like where did they get those flags? Like. Dude, it's it's the maker movement. (laughs) I guess so. Like (laughs) they just had that ready to go, man. Like they were I I feel like they already owned those flags and they were just like waiting for the right opportunity to bust them out. Right. Yeah. That's that's my theory. But it was it was just just like stapled Gavin Newsom onto their pre existing Nazi flags. (laughs) Yeah, that's the that's the other thought I had was they already had the Nazi flag laying around, so you know, let's repurpose this. And right. and, and and then like what is what is the weird uh, like backwards brainworm stuff going on there where they had a Nazi flag because they believe in Nazism, but then Gavin Newsom does this yeah. lockdown and they're like, No, Nazis are bad and so I'm gonna Dude, make exactly, that point. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's absolutely I would argue that that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, th- um, I think it is. <laughs> um yeah, dude, exactly. Um, an obsession with the plot? Yeah. Conspiracy theorists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, um, good old good old Trumpy boy, which I think you oh, and I are yeah. kind of on the same page that we don't really think there's a whole lot of value in talking about Trump. Um, Not generally, no. Because it's it's such a clear case. Like, if, if you're still pro-Trump, you're just a fucking idiot at this point. Um, and right, right. <laughs> there's nothing that can be done to save you. Um pretty much man but um, I, I, you know yeah. you, you look at trump's average you know uh news conference and he's saying oh everybody's against me everybody's against me and i'm, I'm not gonna try to do a, a stupid trump voice because i'm fucking yeah i, I refuse to learn a trump so um, fucking uh, impression it's not gonna happen it's 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 such it's such low-hanging fruit 
Yeah, it's that it sucks so bad. Culture fucking sucks so bad now. I was so excited four years ago because I was thinking like, I mean, excited and terrified. Yeah. yeah but I was thinking like the one good thing that will come of Trump winning, apart from parts of the system being exposed for being apart as bad from, as they apart are, apart from saving um, America from itself, <laughs> is uh, is the fact that at least like art and media will become like funny and inspiring again. Nope. Uh, but then I was like, oh no, no, lowest, no, lowest common no. denominator is, is always going to be the winner. Fuck. We we yeah. only we and only I, see good art in times of uh, of exceptional. Uh, uh, I, I would say uh general wealth and uh yeah kind of kind of or or at least like i mean you, you see the good art from like the bush years uh just after though uh because it has to wait until it like rises to the top but yeah I you mean, for sure like see more more like good art from after tragedy befalls you it's it's like the the stereotype where you you make better art when you're depressed and i can tell you for a fact that that's not fucking true oh no that's not true but at all that's that's actually if you've experienced depression <laughs> though then afterwards it's great yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, i mean i i studied art uh i right. attempted in some ways to become a working artist but uh dealing with all the depression and you know mental anguish i was under from various things in my life I, that i would i wouldn't say that that was the only contributing factor in me not eventually becoming an artist but i mean uh definitely it wrecks your shit dude yeah it just, it's it's hard to produce things um when when like your your thought cycle was hey i don't want to live and i hate my life so yeah I mean, um, that, that's one of the fundamental arguments. Either that or you make like Marxism. really, yeah. The, the other option is you make like really cringy stuff that you don't want to see. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Sad, sad poetry of like, cut my life oh, into God. pieces. This is my this last This is my resort. plastic fork. Yeah. Like, yeah, man. You, you, either, you either go down the uh, Papa Roach. <laughs> the Papa Roach. Or you just go quiet. Avenue where you just go quiet. Yeah. And quiet. But yeah, quiet I mean, feels better in the long run. For sure. Um, but I, I, I mean, we're going to touch on other ideologies later, including this, but one of the foundational portions of uh, Marxism, at least like per the manifesto, which is a very imperfect document and sure. uh, written when he was very young and maybe too fiery and stuff. But um, the the notion behind, you know, freeing up human beings from, you know, living for subsistence or someone else's subsistence yeah. um, is, is that they will be free to create things for the betterment of humanity and for their own will. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't even want to say like, so it's, I mean, the, the benzo rehab dungeon exists because I finally found myself in a position where I have enough disposable income that i can buy all this equipment right so not not saying that we're some wonderful artistic movement that's doing anything good for the world but no, I, I could see in other cases where you know somebody who actually wants to help the world and is actually doing good things you know they they're not going to be able to the the, the right of freedom of speech is not you know you petition the government and the government's like, Oh yeah, you want to, you want to spread your message. Here's all this equipment. Here's all this, you know, publication uh, ability. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. 
because that happens in other developed countries. It, do, it does. <laughs> That's a real thing. I know. Yeah, <laughs> that no. should happen here for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, we, so we have the freedom of speech, but we don't have the the access to to that freedom. Right. We don't have the right. the tools given to us to uh, to actually you know experiment with that freedom of speech unless you know you're funded by uh, the Koch brothers. Um, Right. Or, here's here's an exciting thing, actually. <laughs> right. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's a long shot, and it's probably not going to happen. Um, but I discovered recently that there is a Canadian law because my grandfather was Canadian yeah. uh, that allows my mother to relatively easily, if she'd be willing to, and she's a MAGA person, so probably not. Oh man. But uh, to to apply for Canadian citizenship. Oh, and okay. if she got Canadian citizenship, I think then that it would also, make it easier yeah, for right, me to do it. Right. Uh, and fuck yeah, dude. Because yeah. <laughs> I've never I've never been one of those people that's been like, fuck America, I'm going to move to Canada. But, yeah, you know, it's, right it's now, getting there, I think. It, could, it could be yeah. better in some ways. And Canada seems kind of dope. I don't know. I like uh, empty I mean, spaces there's, and like there's, there's mes- still plenty wrong with Canada. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Especially the way that they treat like indigenous people. Yeah, I was like going to bring up the indigenous the people thing. Um, not <laughs> even, even like First Nations. Yeah. super, super, uh, super recently, you know, not, not even just, uh, not even just like the, the pipeline stuff, but, um, no. you know, not, not too long ago. Uh, I want to say probably late nineties is when I remember the story coming out or this is when the, the article was written about the late nineties. <clears throat> um, uh, Canadian police would grab indigenous people and uh, just drive oh, them out, yeah. out in the middle of nowhere and drop them off, drop them off in, the, in the middle of winter. And, you know, yeah. Hey, we dude, didn't kill can, him, but you know, it's we insane. Just, dude. We just did like, everything we could to make sure he would die. The people, people think like, I mean, outside of the, the U S because the U S of course, uh, there's a lot of shit to say, but whenever, whenever I talk to people about like how horrible, um, countries are to their indigenous people um oftentimes people end up bringing up like australia uh because sure. australia is brutal and fucked up and like yeah. there's n- absolutely a shit ton of things that they have done horribly to the aborigines um i'm I, I, i'm sorry I, I genuinely do not know if that's a, a term that's in vogue right now or not and it, some as soon as i said it i'm not sure if it is but so if i did someone please uh correct me if i'm not supposed to say that for a second. Yeah, I, I think there, um, there is another term that's uh, become more right uh, accepted like i know but... first nations is better in canada and i try sure. to say that in general yeah. now but um but anyway so the 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 things that were done to them in australia are terrible but the things yeah. that have been done to first nations people in canada especially in recent years even mm-hmm. or especially the fact that it has gone on until recent years but uh, justin trudeau is a good guy have you seen have you seen how handsome justin Dude, trudeau is holy shit that we will have to he's he is in an incredible I, example of neoliberalism <laughs> he, he really is and you know uh, one of the one of the things since we're speaking about canada one of the things i've said for a long time about canada is um it's it's amazing to think of how much other countries uh like canada can get away with because they can just point at the u.s and be like well we're not yeah. that bad yeah uh, <laughs> so i mean know, some people don't know this yeah go ahead right but 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 uh it seems to be because I've been looking at more and more Canadian media for no reason. Um, but they have this really like almost comical uh, adversarial relationship with describing 
themselves versus their neighbors to the south. Mm. And it, it's really fucking funny to me because yeah. it's, it's like, I mean, yeah, you're right. Fuck yeah, us, you, but also fuck wrong, you. Yeah, you're also uh, <laughs> you're also shitty too, partner. Like the the, the trade policies that yeah. uh, that Canada's put forth in order to just like distance themselves from the U.S. have been really like sometimes justified and, and oftentimes it's kind of funny. But um, anyway, uh, moving on from that, yeah, we uh, have, we we should at least finish this list, yeah, and I, then I'll I say why say. I why I think we should use other terminology to like uh, to to define it, but. Yep. Um, uh, so we the last one was obsession with the plot. The enemy's both strong and weak. Actually, um, pacif- did we do appeal to social frustration? Did we miss that one? Uh, no, we, we didn't talk about oh, it too just much kind of, because it's so yeah, obvious. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think in, in a lot of ways with with current, uh, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I remember. Yeah, yeah. that's a uh, massive fascism. <laughs> um, right. Let's see, pacifism is trafficking with the enemy. Of course. No. Um, contempt for the weak almost the same thing it's similar uh yeah. well not it, it's it's connected in a thematic way it's actually incredibly different but but you know um uh, everybody is educated to become a hero this is incredibly important this one yeah, i agree um yeah especially when connecting it to neoliberalism yeah and, and uh, you know one, one other thing like um Back, back to the mask thing. You see all these people who are like treating themselves like, uh, like the second coming of Jesus Christ because they refuse to wear a mask in in a, in a store or um, the the entire you know uh, right wing gun ownership model is. Hey, you know, what if you need to rescue everybody from a madman with a gun? So you need to have a gun, and then you know, right. you end up being the madman with a gun because uh, of all the things yeah. you believe. <laughs> um, but exactly. yeah, it, it's rooted in this like cowboy fantasy of, of I'm going to be the hero and to save everybody. Um, yeah, you, you or know, the, you know, uh, you can become rich and uh... <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, you're going to become Bezos. It'll be great. I was I was going to relate the uh, the gun thing to. Uh, uh, what was it? The uh, the comet pizza or whatever. All right, pizza yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know That's that guy, actually, the, guy yeah. that, the guy that busted down. Like, hey, if you if you genuinely believe that there is a underground child sex ring at that a pizza parlor, and the government's like genuinely doing nothing about it, um, right? You know that that. I would say it's arguable that it would be the right thing to do. The problem is that that yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. not real. Uh, and, but the fascination, right. so, the fascination with being a hero is what drove that. Exactly. In, in fact, in, in a later podcast, and, and I want to put this flag in here so that uh, our one and a half fans, so long as we yeah. don't lose them, will remind us. Yeah, we'll find but a way. We, we, we need to do uh, an episode because I have a lot of uh, theories and ideas and opinions on this. And I think it's important, but about heroism and, and how it functions in the psyche and for human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially touching on like, you know, uh, Americans in general and neoliberalism and fascism and all that stuff, sure. but also touching on, of course, Jordan Peterson going back to that <laughs> and this nuts motherfucker that people may have not learned of but I, I see that he's becoming more popular suddenly but uh uh yukio mishima well, i'm not familiar uh, with him. he's a fucking psycho and i love him and i hate him and he's fascinating but we, said, we need uh, to touch all this yukio. on heroism mishima. mishima i may be pronouncing it wrong but he was like a weird post-world war ii japanese fascist that like took over a military base with his friends and like oh, okay. wrote a bunch of like 
super homoerotic uh, literature and stuff. And he, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah. wild. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's the only thing th- I love more than philosophy of heroism. <laughs> the only thing I love more than fascism is gay fascism. Is gay fascism yeah. The, the <laughs> Neologianopolis. <Okay. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of gay fascism, uh, one of the ones coming up here is yeah. machismo and weaponry. Machismo and weaponry. Yeah, well, I, I didn't even read that, and I already brought up the gun thing. So, uh, so that explains uh, itself uh, yeah. in retrograde um, selective populism. That's huge as well, mm-hmm. and it speaks new speak. So, like portmanteaus and stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So those are all like important and good. I don't think that I disagree with any of them explicitly, but I think that there are better ways to describe fascism. Uh, I mean, do you have any comments on this? Not, not necessarily. When, when was this kind of compiled? 1995. So, I mean, I, I think probably 95. Was it 95? Um, that's later than I thought. I mean, I, I believe it somehow, but uh, I mean, I think that's what it's saying here. Right. Okay. Umberto Echo in his 1995 essay, Ur Fashion. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I thought so, it was earlier than that, but that makes sense. Well, I mean, and I think probably why you think it's earlier than that, because I think a lot of these terms are kind of outmoded in, in a way in a discussion. Um, like maybe some, some of the reason that you feel like they, they could probably be uh, defined a little bit better is, is because. Uh, I think a lot of ways of talking about this have kind of changed in the last. 20 or 30 years. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, Lord. Actually, here's here's an important part of the new speak part, which is that okay. it's not yeah. a, not only just doing portmanteaus and stuff. I'm reading like their little liner for it. But, oh, sorry. Uh, that it's, it's also... It uses impoverished vocabulary and elementary syntax. So it's... It, yeah. It, uh, yeah, speaks to the lowest common denominator. I hate using that, that terminology, but because I do believe in a type of populism, but the selective populism of fascism is what they're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Excuse me. Man, I'm so gassy. I'm drinking gassy. a bunch. You got gassy. Gas. Um, so, yeah. Um, what, the way what, that what I you, would describe Yeah, what, please. Go ahead. I, I was just going to ask, what do, you, what do you think like a, a good uh example of of new speak and, and the common errors oh of new speak yeah um i would say make america great again sure yeah that's that's probably that's a great one. one it's very simple very easy to understand it becomes uh, an initialism an acronym rather uh and um just everyone can use it uh yeah it's i would say that that's one of them um yeah what do you what do you think uh, no, I mean that's that's a that's a good one. Um, I would I would say probably the the rise of the the concept of alternative facts maybe. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like his nicknaming is probably new speak right there, right? <laughs> Obsessive nicknaming, Sleepy <laughs> yeah. Joe, all that bullshit. Uh, I, I like how often he uses those too because he, he just genuinely oh, yeah. can't he can't think of anything better. It's just like lion. Well, then it works. So it becomes so like a new lion name. So Lion's head, head, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, well, these are stuck in my called, head. I don't even look, yeah. I don't read his tweets, but like it's stuck. I, uh, well, I would both recommend and not recommend reading his uh, his tweet profile. <laughs> right. I, I, I read the tweets that people send me, which is it's, like too much. Yeah. Um, I don't send you but, any uh, of his tweets, do I? You don't. No, okay. no, I don't yeah. think so. I mean, you've probably sent me like one or two, but only because they've been like insane, fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But so part of me wishes that we touched on Marxism first, um, but also no, because this fits too well. But wouldn't it? I guess I'm just jumping into this. But um, something that that binds neoliberalism to fascism is this rule that a lot of anti-Marxian economists seem to think uh, proves against Marx, even though it, it, it doesn't because of very, very simple political economy, sociological thing that occurred, which is that Marx pointed out that there is a declining, a necessary declining rate of profit. Right. Right. Uh, and that that also produces downward pressure uh, and, you know, it starves out uh, the employees, things like that. Yep. Um, and the dec- declining rate of profit stopped being true for a period uh, and does stop being true for periods, but then it begins to drop again. And the reason for that is that things like empire uh, are produced, different externalities right. where a nation or an industry is able to point to uh, slaves or a new chemical re- chemical or mineral resource or uh, non-citizens and things like that, outsiders, mm-hmm. uh, both in, in human and non-human terms, um, and is able to sap the value out of them, which ends up allowing for the rate of profit to increase or stabilize. Sure, because because you've you've moved all these production jobs, which you know, um, <clears throat> back back in the uh, like the industrial boom of America, um, there there was actually, and, and you know, this goes back to the union uh, thing, which you know, there were there were all these unions who were arguing for you know fair fair wages uh the 40 hour work week etc cetera, etc cetera. so what mm. companies are doing nowadays is they're outsourcing these to other countries that maybe don't have these kind of same rights and and yeah. their 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 real wages are are much lower um this is where right. you get you know the sweatshops um, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> so and then you also especially inside of america america is such a funny uh, example of things because it has these uh, you know, states, it has these laboratories of democracy, right? Where right. Uh, things are different in one place than they are elsewhere. And so the U.S. is able to produce uh, uh, Superfund sites on one end of it uh, and these sacrifice zones on the other one where industry is able to financially uh, and socially strip areas uh, and toxify them in uh, both psychic, economic, and uh, ecological ways, sure. and turns it into another space of externality. Uh, <laughs> so, because of the fact that there are uh, stronger labor labor laws in, like California, uh, Tennessee can become an opioid addicted hellhole. Uh, that no one uh, has like more than 12 teeth. I know that's not true, yes, uh, right. but, but, but it starts to tend towards that because the fact that industry realizes that they can brutalize one group more than mm. they can brutalize another. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, and, and thereby stabilizing or slowing the declining of rate, of pro- rate of profit. But eventually the rate of profit needs to decline uh, and, and necessarily does. And so what happens in these uh, capitalistic equations is that, uh, and, and you know, this, this happens by running out of material resources. It happens uh, because of the saturation of markets with goods. It happens when an empire's frontiers end up firming up or disappearing uh, somehow, or when some kind of a system closes, the, the, the system ends up beginning to eat itself, right? Sure. Um, and 
So I would argue, and I think this is more or less like Paxton's argument, and, I, and I've heard it a couple other places, uh, something like this, but um, fascism is less this weird series of 14 semi-paradoxical ambiguities, and it's actually what occurs when capitalism finds a crisis internally or externally is unable to manage itself and needs to turn all of its imperial or colonial forces inward to affect its own citizens. Um, and in doing that, it also causes it to spread outward and do uh, that same kind of thing to other nations. I mean, it begins invading and whatnot because it desperately needs those externalities absorbed. Yeah, um, and, and you know, we're, we're seeing this, I think, in a large way with the, uh, the protests right now, right? Absolutely, because capitalism yes. can't fix this <laughs> this problem. So, no. you you call in the uh, the jackboots to rough everybody up until everybody goes back to, you know, whatever the yeah. accepted form of living is supposed to be. Um, exactly, and in American fascism is is a weird, <laughs> uh, scary version of it because of the fact that we have all of these pre existing classes of people that are both uh, part of and not part of our social structure that are easily turned into scapegoats for that internalized colonial pressure to be placed on. Well, and mean, that can be illegals, right? Or just yeah. fucking people of color. Yeah. Um, you know? I mean, I mean, that's, um, that's, that's the way that the conversation has kind of shifted. Now it's, now it's not, yeah. you know, a, a year ago, it was the, the caravans at the border are the reason that, you know, Jesus. <laughs> the, the, reason, the reason that I'm that like is, last year. <laughs> yeah. That's what I said. Like, <laughs> Two years a, year, ago. like a year ago. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. That's, yeah, oh know. my God. It, feels, like it feels so long ago. Yeah. And, yeah. and now it's, uh, it's black lives matter is, is the, the real problem, uh, in America, the, that we need to stop and crush and fight because uh, things can only be solved by fighting. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not much more to add to that, I think. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's. I, I mean, so it's fuck. Like, where, where, where do we even go from here? But, but it's so Paxton, I, I know that his like actual uh, verbiage in describing fascism has a little less to do with the internalization of colonial power mm-hmm. and more has to do with something that's a little loaded. And I think justifiably loaded. But but I think that a lot of people, uh, especially our more centrist liberal um, components would would maybe uh, find dubious. Uh, but it's, he describes, uh, fascism as a suppression of the left by popular enthusiasm. Um, and because people, for some reason, especially right now, don't want to believe that fascism is an innately right wing movement. (laughs) They seem to want to think that, and, and, you know, I I mentioned beforehand that there is this Nazpole thing and stuff like that. Um, but well, that's such I, I would, a new, I would argue, bizarre thing. Well, I would argue and different. That, and, and it's hmm. not, you know, the and national. Right <laughs> yeah, it's it's right wing. Uh, you know, yeah, so yeah. so what if they have, you know, maybe a leftist economic slant that's still incredibly authoritarian in in its construction. Right. So it's it's still right wing. It just has a couple of elements of leftist economics shoved into it. Also true. I, I mean, I have I have a problem with that, and also a, an agreement at the same time. But um, it's I, certainly I possible. Looked, I haven't looked enough into the the NASPOL no, 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 no. scene to to really have um, a better understanding. 
in my defense. I mean, honestly, I, I, I think that what you're saying is, is right. And my disagreement with it is, is a weird ethereal one, but, um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the, my, my agreement is that, um, the, the left can certainly just as, uh, can exist in some other like subalternated spaces, uh, can learn to hate itself. Sure. Right. Uh, just, just as like there's internalized raci- racism or misogyny if, or things like if that. I can hate myself. Uh, the rest of the left can hate itself too. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so I, I, I think that Nazbol could absolutely uh, be a leftist group that is entirely anti-leftist. Um, but I, I, my disagreement, uh, and this is maybe something to explore as we go, but uh, is in that the. Uh, I, I don't think that Nazbol works in a functional way and it would collapse. Sure. And, 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 and so that, that I guess makes it a weird exception, but I don't think uh, that you can ultimately be culturally right wing uh, and economically left wing. I certainly don't think that you can be economically right wing and culturally left wing. Uh, I think that that immediately collapses. I think that you can maybe survive being economically left-wing for a while while being culturally right-wing, and then eventually you're just an asshole. <laughs> um, but the, the other way, I don't think it works. Um, so maybe Nazbolt does work in like a bizarre way, yeah. but it's... Um, no, yeah. I'll, I'll look into it more for, for when we have that conversation. Um, right, right. But I'm, I'm always, I, I, I think your reading super, is right. Yeah, I'm always super happy to learn more about the systems that maybe want to kill me or people I love. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's my favorite thing about the uh, the world. Same, same. Um, but yeah, it's 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 always fascism is always necessarily a response to a crisis of capital, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and fascism is always going to change because one of the most uh, intriguing and terrible and good and you know, one of the defining characteristics of capital is that it always deterritorializes and re-territorializes. It's always shifting. It's always changing. It's always mutating. Um, and one of one of my favorite quotes by uh, one of our least and most favorite people, or at least mine, uh, Nick Land, is that no type of uh, no, no. Hold on. Uh, that only proto-capitalism has ever been critiqued. Um, because capitalism is always so accelerated itself and it always right. so advanced that, that anything we can say about it is always responding on what it was in the past after it morphs into something else. And because of the fact that I think fascism, I think totalitarianism is different, but I think fascism is innately connected to capitalism. And so thereby oh, always a step ahead of us understanding be. it. Yeah. But it, so it's always a step ahead of us understanding it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a really frightening kind of situation and we, we can make uh, generalizations of how it has been in the past and we can pr- be proved right as it as it goes but it has a way like like a lsd trip uh to as soon as you think it's over or different or something it smacks you in the back of the head <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but yeah and, and and a big a big part of it as well with that weird like morphology is the fact that it uh it fuses ruling economic patterns and forces with the populist impulses that leftists have. Um, because it's always saying like, you know, there's, the, there's a reason that we think of uh, neo-Nazis when we think of skinheads, skinheads, right. though, that that's a movement that comes from Jamaica. 
this is a rude boy thing. The first skinheads were black guys. They were like punks. Uh, but but then when whenever we think of skinheads, we think of Nazis because of the fact that what occurred is is that these right wingers absorbed a lot of left populism and turned it into a right wing thing that hates outsiders. Yeah, uh, and that's that's a that's something that that seems to crop up always whenever fascism kind of rears its ugly head. Is it it co ops a lot of things? Yeah, um, co opting is huge. Yeah, yeah, co opting is a huge part. Of, I mean, you could even look at like the alt right. Um, what 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 is what is one of their their fucking symbols now? A, a green frog that was popular on internet right. communities. Uh, the OK symbol. Um, right, right. All, all this stupid sort of asinine shit. And and the, part of the reason that, that they co opted like this is because you know there's there's a there's always an element of crypto fascism along with the fascism, right? And so yeah. you know they they go really you're offended by a green frog picture and it's not exactly. necessarily that you're offended by a green frog picture it's just you understand what that stands for now um like my my least favorite people to argue with online are people that will pretend not to be fascist uh so crypto fascist but will constantly admit it by typing keck <laughs> yeah and then you know the, uh, but, but i don't want to say i'm triggered by it but it's it is dumb as fuck <laughs> <laughs> And gives them away, which is part of the pack, um, but yeah. It's actually <sighs> reminded me of something from uh, from a good friend, Sart. No, yeah, what's that? Oh, the... Uh, sorry, I, I went off in a different direction in my head. What's, oh, no, what's no, the start no. thing? Um, um, just when he talks about the uh, the idea of bad faith, um, oh, yeah. because because I think fascism kind of exclusively operates in bad faith. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I believe this is a direct quote. The anti-Semite is a prime example of a person who has entered into bad faith to avoid responsibility. He attempts to relinquish his responsibility to anti-Semitism and a community of anti-Semites. Oh, I think this is the actual quote. Uh, he fears every kind of solitariness, however small his stature. He takes every precaution to make it smaller, lest he stand out from the herd and find himself face to face with himself. <laughs> He has made himself an anti-Semite because that is something one cannot be alone. Um, Yeah, I I, I mean, it's... it's, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's like like what Nietzsche said about anti-Semites. And I guess anti-Semites and like fascists are different things, but they have a lot of overlap. But... um, or it's an umbrella, <laughs> but, uh, but Nietzsche is quote of anti-Semites is that they're abortions. And at first that sounds like it's just an insult, but then you realize that an anti-Semite is an abortion because it, it's never grown to live its own life. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. What wonderful way of um, thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it, it's it's interesting because it's that the Umberto Eco kind of paradoxes again, where uh, a fascist is always hiding in a crowd and also obsessed with their own heroism, right? Sure. Um, and yeah, 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 and 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 so that's that's actually another big thing uh, in here, where one of the other things about uh, fascism seems to be and neoliberalism actually a huge uh, combining factor is that they they both insist on shifting politics from being explicit movements of interest. So about like workers versus uh, owners versus landlords versus miners, whatever, um, to being uh, about ideology and being purely about ideology and pretending that ideology can be something that is purely itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And so, you know, uh, it's more ironic with neoliberalism because of the fact that it, it's so uh, theoretically grounded in mathematics, which is why I also think that like neoliberalism is the most accelerationist philosophy oh, uh, because it's all about yeah. quantification and like enhancement and stuff. Um, but, but fascism also has that in common with them. Uh, the, uh, the uh, insistence upon, uh, turning everything ideological. The thing that's funny about fascism making things ideological is that uh, while neoliberalism claims to be about ideals, but is actually based on wrong math, uh, fascism claims to be about facts and reason, but it's actually about ideals. Oh, Uh, yeah. And so there's a weird shift that occurs, uh, a violent one, and it it means that they're both ultimately the same thing, but it's also that they become mirrors and opposites of one another in a weird way, where the individual becomes the only thing that's important because of their economic capacities, and then the individual becomes nothing and thereby heroized for sacrificing themselves to the whole by becoming absorbed in it. and it's 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 this this metaphor of the body that fascists love to use, and you know people love to use the metaphor of the body all the time because of the fact that it's a good metaphor for a lot of structures and, and ways that things work. But I think we need to find but, new metaphors. Yeah, well, just, yeah, just in general, in, in I'm, tired way, of, yeah. I'm tired of all the <laughs> old metaphors. <laughs> um, but 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 you know the, the fascists they're obsessed with this idea that like. Some people are the heart. Some people are the muscle. Some people are yeah, the yeah. brain, things like that. For sure. And, you know, the same thing is definitely true of liberals, uh, definitely true of communists, definitely true of pretty much everyone except for maybe anarchists. And uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, and maybe also anarchists is true of in, in, in some ways, like syndicalists and stuff. Yeah. Um, but but with this whole body argument, um, it it's usually meant to say, uh, as it is with Deleuze, uh, I think that might be the first time I've brought up Deleuze in this podcast. I'm proud of myself for waiting this long. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm proud of you too, but, buddy. <laughs> thanks, bud. Yeah, technically, but you just, bring it up every time we, uh, we plug your, uh, your Instagram oh, account. My, yeah, yeah, my account, yeah. Um, but but the, the idea that everything functions as a body and everything is a series of machines that are all interactive and that are kind of non-discrete because they're all composed of machines and things like that, um, but the fascists like to use the metaphor of the body in a really particular way where they're all useful and necessary, but, but, but that they exist as part of this great chain of being where they're uh, subaltern to one another, right? where the brain is necessarily the brain because it is the brain and controls everything else, things like that. And the, uh, you know, that's where this, this funny word uh, that I don't think people really realize the, 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 the source of, but uh, corporatism. Mm-hmm. of the body it is it is a constituent of the body corporatism yeah yeah and one of the first people based off of uh hmm. i had in corporeal right i mean it's it's kind of yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Cor- corpus. Cor- corpus corpus means body yeah. that, that's what i was um, looking for and i fucking lost it. right right <laughs> um and in one of the one of the first people to refer to as a political or innately economic because politics and ec- economics are the same thing uh, that referred to it in a way that kind of stuck was, and then didn't stick in an ironic way. But Mussolini referred to fascism as corporatism because it's about producing a body of the nation that who, then functions together. I thought that Mussolini would be so right about fascism. 
And, and it's even funnier because Mussolini was a socialist before this. Yeah. Mussolini was just one of those like always shifting assholes that just wanted to find power because that's all fascism is about is that people that want power find power and everyone else has to deal with it, which is why the, the theory and the econ economics and everything about it is so nonsensical and absurd mm -hmm. and contradictory because the fact that it's not based on anything, it's not tenable and it builds up into itself because no one knows what they're doing and then it fucking burns up. Um, yeah, it, it owns. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool stuff. Um, I think we're uh, we're nearing the end of podcast time now. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll finish up and touch on maybe a little bit more of fascism and move on to other things next time. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds good to me. Maybe we'll throw in. Uh, I got I got a lot of positive feedback on our filler episode. Um, oh, good. Because I think people like uh, dumb entertainment as well. So. Maybe we'll, right, right. maybe we'll throw in a filler episode here and there. Yeah, maybe we'll take a break next time, and then after a little bit more fascism stuff, and then move on to uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, have a little bit more left, fascism left hand stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody who, uh, who decided to listen in on this. Um, I love you. We, we love you very much. Uh, please take your medicine. Um, yeah, please. Dorian, uh, if you want to follow Dorian, his Instagram account is at Dink the Lose. Um, if you want to follow the uh, podcast uh, Instagram account, it's at Benzo Rehab Dungeon. And then you can find us on Facebook pretty easily if you just type in the Benzo Rehab Dungeon. Uh, Except so, for me, because I get banned a lot. Yeah, Dorian's on another band, so I'll be the uh, the primary poster there again, which... Uh, Find me on Instagram. Which which means that we'll probably find a little bit less uh, Emperor Hirohito uh, content on the uh, the Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> no weebs. No weebs, please. No weebs, yeah. So that was uh, famously spoken by him at the end of the, uh, the war, I believe. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Love you. Bye.